Life is valuable. I've got to experience that over the last couple days and how life makes a lasting impact and how continual make an impact. Um, I can be honest. I've actually, one of the things is, is uh, my wife has been gone for this weekend. And my main concern is like, what, what happens if like I do something not smart and like hurt myself or fall down? You know, how do I protect? How do I guide? So I have uh, a plan now set up that my father has to check in before he goes to bed, I go to bed. Because my main concern isn't if something happens to me. My main concern, if something happened to me, what would happen to the girls? What would happen to them and, and, and uh, the passing on? And I, I want us to know that when you care for someone that much, you're willing to do whatever. And that's what, the, what I love about the scriptures. They, they care so much. They're willing to pass it on. They're willing to suffer for the gospel, to pass the gospel on, to protect us, to guide us. We're going to be in Hebrews 11 today, okay? Hebrews 11 is long, a lot of verses. We're going to be doing a little bit of jumping around through it, but we're going to hit most of it because this is what most people uh, call, you know, the hall of faith, the hall of fame. These are what these people are going to be processing about of what it looks like, okay? But before we jump in that, the first, uh, we're going to go through the first couple of verses, talk about that, and then we are going to start getting into what the Hebrew writers goes through, the hall of faith. Verse 1 says this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were condemned for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Wearsby has a great... Uh, commentary opening uh, about what the first verse of Hebrews is trying to say. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it right now. It says, the opening verse of Hebrews 11 are not a definition of faith, but a description of what faith does and how it works. True faith, true biblical faith, is not blind optimism, are a manufactured hope-so feeling. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. Faith does certainly not consist of a belief in despite of evidence. That would be superstition. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word despite circumstances and consequences. This faith operates actually quite simply. God speaks, and we hear his word. We trust his word, and we act on it no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. The circumstances may be impossible and the consequences frightening and unknown, but we obey God's word just the same and believe him to do what is right and what is best. We are talking about a faith that does not back down. Okay? We are not talking about a 50-50 faith. We are not talking about, okay, are we calling heads or tails? I'll believe it if it goes this way or this way. No, we are, we are talking about a biblical faith. One that of evidence. 
And I think that is what some of we've even struggled with is uh, as we look back, we've got in these biblical and unbiblical debates of the secular world saying, oh, trust the science or the science has this. But they take all these presuppositions and they don't trust the Bible. And as we, we really look at it, there's biblical evidence. The biblical evidence stands more on Jesus than that of King Arthur or that of Alexander the Great and all those writings. And it stands more, but all of a sudden in schools, we can trust those materials, but we can't trust this. This is not some blind faith that we are just trusting in. You also have to remember that this book of Hebrews is written to people that are suffering. Okay? We talked about this last week, and we're going to continue on. This is a book that is to a group of people that have been going through it, that have been persecuted. Okay? These were probably Jews that found Christ, and now there's persecution of Christians, and now they're contemplating of going back. Okay? So you have to realize their encouragement of the faith of evidence that the Bible stands on. And as we read the Hall of Fame of Faith, you will recognize a lot of the names. You will know a lot of their stories. And you also know that all of them have suffered, have gone through problems, had sinned, but they never backed down. As Dr. Heiser says, they never shrink back. They never worship another God or no God at all. When we look back at verse 1, we know that assurance is confidence. This is not pride. Because if we look at our own life, is the confidence in what we do or is the confidence in Jesus? In what Jesus has done for us, not into what we have done. That is a big sticking point because many churches today, many are saying, hey, if you do this, you will get this and you will do this. It's not of the blessing of Jesus. It's what you do. And that is not what scripture says. It is on what Christ has done and what Christ has done alone. And that's what we need to trust. And that is what needs to be imprinted on our lives so that our lives are identified with Jesus. Okay, so you know those like QR codes now, I know I'm talking to an older generation. Do you know what a QR code is? Some of you are like, right now, no. Okay, so right now there are codes that you can put, like if you put your cell phone to it, and you put your cell phone to it, like in the camera mode, and you click on it, it takes you to the website. Okay, so it's those little codes that go around that look like make no sense, but you can do it, it takes you to the website. All of us are imprinted with something. All of us, when people look at it, and if they would put your phone up to you and press it, what would show up? What would it, where would it take you? The funny thing is, is Jesus already knows the QR code. He's the designer of it. He knows all of that kind of stuff. The problem is, is a lot of us don't want, we show different parts of, the, of our lives, and we don't want to show all of it. What is imprinted on our lives? As we talked about last week, and we're going to continue to continue to talk about, because this is what the Bible, what Hebrews talks about. Point number one, loyalty over performance. Loyalty over performance. In chapters 10 and leading up to 11, and as we're in 11, we are all 
about to see the nature of all these characters that made the hall of faith and how they were ordinary men and women. If you look all the way back, starting through the, in chapter 10, 35 through 39, it talks about how faith persists. And Dr. Michael Heiser says, faith is not just a thought or an incantation, but it's endearing. It's keep believing. It's not wishful thinking, but it has to do with the belief and confidence of the Father. So many times we don't think that it's endearing or it's the fact of believing loyalty and to keep going. And as you will see, many of these characters we go through will talk and be shown by faith. As you looked at verse 1, and when you look at believing loyalty, and when we believe in our, that our faith and our confidence is real, we also must know and believe Jesus is real and that our loyalty is through Him. Either we believe that we are performing our own salvation, or we have the faith and confidence and believing loyalty that Jesus has already performed it. It is Jesus' life death, resurrection, and ascension that we put our faith and confidence and believing loyalty in. Jesus is the evidence and he is the proof of our faith. He is the proof. Too many of us back down when we are talking to unbelievers are scared when we are talking to unbelievers. We have a society right now that honestly is having conversations that two plus two does not equal four. It equals five. And we are scared to have that because we are scared to stand up on truth, even for simple math, because we're scared of how people will view us and believe it. You have the truth. And if you don't give people truth, then they will always be wrong. And if your evidence equals Jesus, why would you not give the truth of Jesus out? Because there's no other answer that this, like, oh, I hope. I hope their slight belief in Hindu gets them to heaven. Here's the answer. It does not. It doesn't. Even though I love that person and I hope they find Christ and they are made in the image of God just the same as I made in the image of God. That does not mean that their choices equal Jesus. You have the truth. And too many of us are scared to speak out on truth. If we're scared to speak on two plus two, what? Then we're going to be petrified of what five plus five is. I think it's ten. Uh, But do do you get where I'm going at? In this world, too many of us with the truth back down. You are going to see all these Stories and I love Sunday school because people we got we started going through these different people in their lives and started digging in and you start seeing the steps of faith and then also where they suffered and failed. We're going to start in verse four, okay? It says, "By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith Abel still speaks." even though he is dead. You all know Abel died, right? He suffered 
a death. Not that fitting. Who killed him? His own brother. Cain, he suffered. Even though he was doing what was right in God's eyes, he still suffered and he still died a death. Not of that of like awesomeness by the hands of his brother. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now look how Enoch pleased God, because it was his faith. Because it literally says, right here, that without faith it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. And what's so unique is, I love it, it says, and he rewards those that seek him, rest with him, the presence with him, faith in him. It sounds a lot like the sermon last week. Those that rest and are in the presence, that's what Enoch was doing. That's what he was rewarded for. This gets us to point number two. Hero's flaws. Verse 7, take a look at Noah. By faith, Noah, when warned about these things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. You know Noah dealt with drunkenness and many imperfections as well, correct? Verses 8 through 19, we're going to put a lot of these together because it deals with Abraham and Sarah. If not, we'd be here till 3.30 by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He was just obedient. Verse 11, and by faith, even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. Abraham is the man that was chosen by God after the Tower of Babel to reclaim the nations. You know that Abraham lied about Sarah being his sister? That's a, that's a, that's a bullsy, that's bullsy. He slept with Hagar because Sarah let him. And then Sarah becomes bitter. So Sarah's bitter now, mad at Hagar. Sarah even laughs when she's told she's going to have a child. This is a continual process looking at these people. You know that the audience, as they're reading this, you got to, the, the main thing, and the reason why I love this is the process of Hebrews is this guy writing the Hebrews knows the Old Testament. 
knows the Old Testament. And these readers that were probably Jewish, they know it too. And all this stuff is going off. All these people of the Hall of Faith. But these are all the big names as we continue to go on. I, I do want to sit for a second because I do love how Abraham, when he was tested to sacrifice his son, when he was, right? When he was supposed to go up there. In Genesis 22, verse 5, it says this. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Oh, I love that plural. We will come back. His obedience was still in God. He still trusted God, even when it didn't quite make sense. Me and my son are coming back, even though I'm supposed to be obedient. And give you, even if God, if he does die, God will rise from the dead. I don't know how you're going to do this, but he was obedient. And I love that. Verse 20 starts a run of a bunch of different stories. You have Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. Isaac. His household was a little crazy, if you look back. You have Jacob and Esau. You're talking about two brothers going at it. One comes out first. The other one comes out second, holding on. And then all of a sudden, they start tricking each other. Then the, it plays the, where Jacob tricked Esau, and then Esau wants to kill him. Then you go to Joseph. Joseph bragged about his dreams, and of course, then he suffers. Then we go into Moses, and Moses has many moral failings. There of murder, that of not wanting to go when God first asked, saying, hey, send someone else, send Aaron. There, there's these times of hesitancy. And, I, and this leads to point number three, because I want us to process wrestling with God. And if you want to add on, wrestling with God is not unbelief. Wrestling with God is not unbelief. Because verse 29, we're going to jump to verse 29. It says, by faith, the people. So now it's not just individuals, we're going corporate. The people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. You know that these people complained and they were upset uh, many times. They complained, they grumbled. And now they were obedient, though, at the Red Sea. That leads into verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Just in these two stories, do you not think on day four that the people walking around the walls of Jericho were questioning what's going on? What's happening? Uh, the walls are still up. It's hot. Do you not think as they're walking through the Red Sea that there might be some questions or concerns or what's going on? Like, why is there water? <laughs> Do you not think that there's like these wrestling, this wrestling? But they were obedient. Their loyalty was still to Christ. They were, I'm still going to walk. On day two, day four, day six, I'm still going to walk. And that leads back into, I know all about the other stuff, but Noah, do you not think on year 54 of building an ark, he had some maybe questions or concerns? 
of what was happening. But he was obedient. Also being mocked that long. Many of us can't be mocked for a day. Ten minutes. And many people thought Noah was insane by his obedience. When people judge your QR code or look at your QR code, are you obedient or what are you? Now, you've got to remember, these are Hebrew readers, and if, you, uh, if you're a Jewish reader, you're probably not really thoroughly enjoying Hebrews. It's very challenging. They're not going to really like verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. So you're telling me a non-Hebrew woman prostitute is in the hall of faith? Let's lay it out that again. She's a prostitute. And just so you know, that is wrong. That is a sin. It's against the law. But you can see in her life that she wanted the true God. And she showed that believing loyalty in her action. Once again, it's not performance-based, but it's where your believing loyalty lies. She believed when the, at that moment that that's the true God. That's the true God. And that's where my loyalty lies. Verse 32, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, our Barak, our Samson, our Jephthah, and David and Samuel and the prophets. Man, that was one of my favorite parts is we got to discover a little bit more down in Sunday school is when you start really looking at what these stories are, like, they're amazing about of multiple fronts. Gideon and Barak both deal with doubts a lot. You know, Gideon's the one that was the farmer and he was frightened. And then he had to cut his army down. He's already the smallest army. And then God asked him to cut it down more. It's like, what, what do you think he was doing? Like, were you kidding me? You're kidding me. I'm going to war. I need people. God's like, yeah, you got to got to narrow it down more. There's that questioning. There's that wrestling. Barack doubts. Samson. Many people are shocked that Samson made the list. He failed. He was a womanizer. He drank. But he's still there because his loyalty was to God. Jeff then actually sacrificed his own daughter. If you want to go into that story, because he made a rash decision, a rash talk. Look at David, one of the pillars of the faith. And look at all the great things. He, he had faith and he conquered Goliath. He was obedient. He didn't put his hand against Saul at all. He did so many good things. But you can also look at his life. That of Bathsheba, that of murder, and his kids. You see, Samuel, he gets scared. 
And almost all the prophets at some point go through doubts and struggling. But let's finish with the verses from 39 to 40. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is not a sermon on you need more faith. It's not that having more faith, it's like, no, this is a a talk on don't shrink from your faith. Don't shrink from your faith. Don't shrink from the proof of Jesus. Don't shrink from your loyalty to Jesus. Don't back down from it, no matter what lies ahead. Because I, just like these kids up here, I do not see the world getting better for them. My goal is for them not to shrink back. For us to carry the generations on, to continue to push on, not to shrink back, not to compromise, not to look back, but to look forward into Christ alone. This is a great part of Hebrews of 11. This is the fact that we are all connected. Jesus is the fulfillment that connects these men and women of the Old Testament and us and where we are after the cross. And because of Jesus, we all have the same inheritance. And that is salvation through him. Now, I know Hebrews is challenging. Okay, many, what's funny is when people came up, it's like, I didn't really understand the Hebrews that way. Or, uh, they was, it's a challenge. It, it can be challenging because it pulls so much more into the Old Testament. And we have to know our Old Testament. And I encourage you, if you have time to fuller understand Hebrews 11, go back and look up at Gideon. Look back at those stories so you guys get a fuller picture of what is trying to happen here. The thought of us and others having to perform better or just have more faith, and then God will provide. That's not the truth of it. As I said last week, God already provided. God already loved you when you were already a sinner. He loved you when you were a sinner. You know, when I fully understood this, I slept better at night. I sleep better at night knowing that, like, okay, I know I walk with Christ now and I, I sin today, but Christ already loved me when I was a sinner and my believing loyalty is still in Him. And so now I'm going to move, I'm going to keep moving with Him. I'm going to keep moving forward. And many of us need to rest in that, not in the performance of what we did or what we accomplished. It's that of what we talked about last week, living a life of gratitude. I do these things because I'm thankful, because I want to show my love because I am loved. That's that's why I love my kids so much, the story that I started with. One, if I die, that would stink. But I know where I'm going. But my protection is for them. I'm willing to do whatever for them. I want to do that because I want, I want to, and that's the way it is with Christ because I want to show Christ that. I want to love Christ. I know he doesn't need it. He doesn't need anything from me. He loved me for as a sinner. 
but now I'm in his family. Oh, but isn't family special? We had two funerals yesterday, and it hurt, and it was hard, and it's, it's messed up at times where you, you're confused. But I also know that they were believers, and it gave me joy, and it gave me rest, and it let me sleep well, knowing that they're believers, and they're with the Father right now, but also knowing that we were together. What an honor, what an awesome to be family, to hug each other. And if you think about your family, what a blessing that is. Do you know that you're in that with Jesus? You're in that family with Jesus. And just because my daughter yells at me because she thinks she knows how to put the toy together better than I do, doesn't mean I love her less. I might have to correct her. I might have to challenge her. But my love, she's in the family. For better or worse, she has the Pell's last name. But I'm thankful that I'm with Jesus' family. And I think we need to live more like that. Instead of living scared or quiet, that we live in Jesus' family. What a blessing, what an honor. And let's live for that. And I will tell you this, though. Because you live in Jesus' family does not mean you will not suffer. Will not mean that you will not have pain. There will not be, I saw enough pain yesterday to know that there is suffering on this side of earth, of heaven. But it also means, and it doesn't mean that you're a failure. Because you're going through suffering doesn't mean that you're not walking in faith. All these people, we started with Abel. Abel, please God, was walking with God and was killed by his brother. But he was loyal to God. That is what is important. That is what is a kid. His loyalty was to God. His obedience was to God. And I want to encourage you, that's where it needs to be. No matter if there's good and joy, but also if there's suffering and pain. I started with a Wearsby quote. I'm going to end with one here. Wearsby says, Faith enables us to turn from the approval of the world and seek only the approval of God. Absence of deliverance doesn't mean lack of faith. Absence of deliverance doesn't mean lack of faith. You might never get through what you're going through right now. But keep your believing loyalty. Do not shrink back down and keep it in Jesus. That is the faith and trust. Because your faith is in God. It's not in me. It's not in your husband or wife or anyone else, your children. Your faith is in God. It's in Jesus. It's in him alone. And so I encourage you as you go out this week, as people examine your life, if you were a QR code, what would it look like? What would it look like? How would people look at You don't live for them. You live for Christ. But I am telling you this. I don't know if you know how humans work. They look at other people. This is just the way it is. So I'm asking you to continue to pursue that believing loyalty. And when you fall, when you fail, repent and get back up. Repent and get back up. It is okay. God still loves you. Your name's still in the book of life and it's still there. 
So I encourage you this week, wherever you're at, if you're heartbroken or you're down, you are in the family. If you had a great week and it's been blessed, I, I pray, thank God for that. Give him praise for that, but continue to walk in his way. Let us pray. There any Father, I thank you so much for the examples of the Old Testament. There's just so many you can't even fully go through and grasp. But as, as you do, you start seeing that all of these men and women failed at different parts of their lives. They sinned, they suffered, they had issues. But their loyalty was always to you. Their believing loyalty was to you alone. And may we take that as an example of steps in our lives when we fail or we sin. May we repent and turn back to you and go to you and know that you loved us even as we were sinners. I thank you for this time together. I thank you for the family. I thank you for being in the family. And I thank you for this church today. As we sing, may we glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen.